Welcome to AMBO TV. Each week we bring you dynamic sermons from next generation pastors from across the country. And as always, they're bringing a fresh new style to the Word of God. And then we discuss those sermons right here in studio. I'm Dean, hashtag what you talking about, Pastor Windsor. And today we have an amazing show for you. Pastor A.R. Bernard from the Christian Cultural Center right here in Brooklyn, New York is our guest. And he's here to help me break down these awesome sermons from Montana, Georgia, and New York. And we also have Grammy nominated gospel singer Travis Green here to talk about his new album, Broken Record. But first is Pastor Levi Lusco from Fresh Life Church in Kalispell, Montana. And his message is titled, Love While You Can. And he's teaching us how to grow in our faith by looking at 1 Peter 1, verses 13 through 25. And he offers four ways we can do that. And we will be talking about two today, being mentally strong and reverently ambitious. And next, we go to Valley Christian Church with my friend, Pastor Stephen Francis in Poughkeepsie, New York. And his message is called, I Want to Believe, But dot, 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 get it? In this sermon, he's addressing some of the biggest hangups we have when it comes to believing in Jesus. Using the story of Lazarus, he offers great wisdom on how to handle our doubts. You don't want to miss this one. And lastly, we head to Hope Church in Warner Robins, Georgia with Pastor Jordan Poole. He has a powerful message titled, A Tomb Called Time. He's also using the story of Lazarus to inspire us to keep the faith even when Jesus seems to take a little bit too long or is too late. He wants to encourage you not to give up on what God told you. Don't lock your dreams away. Trust that God is faithful and his timing is perfect. Pastor Bernard is here to talk about these messages and we'll get right back to him a little later. But right now, I want to get to Fresh Life Church with Pastor Levi Lusco. Number one, to be mentally strong. Through this, in light of our great salvation, our aim should be to grow in a, in, in a, in a way that we would become mentally strong. And that's evident from just the first thing he says in verse 13. You see it there. He says, prepare your minds for action. Prepare your minds for action. Then he qualifies it, be self-controlled. If we're to grow up as believers, if we're to become strong, we need to be mentally strong. We need to be strong in our minds. We need to be self-controlled. One translation puts it this way. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Now that needs help, we need help with, right? Now again, remember, he's not talking to people who you know, wear blue jeans and leopard print shirts, uh, right? And crush them like with a great sense of style. He's, he, and confidence, obviously, right? The people he was writing to wore togas and robes and belts and stuff hung down. So all of their garments were, were super drapey. So if you needed to run or if you needed to do manual labor, if you needed to work with your hands, if you needed to carry equipment, if you were around things that could, could hurt you, right? What do you do? You know, everything tight, you know, everything arrow. So what would you do? You'd grab it, you'd tuck your robe into your belt and you'd cinch it down. They called it girding your loins. It's so gnarly to say that every <laughs> single time, right? You had to gird your loins because if you were running, listen to me, if you were running with something drapey hanging down, what was it going to do? Trip you up and cause you to get hurt. It will trip you up and slow you down if you tried to move forward fast without girding up your loins. 
So what is he saying to us? He's saying that mentally, we need to come to a place where we are choosing to deal with the things that could drag us up, the things that could trip us up, the things that could impede our forward progress. You need to gird up the loins of your mind. And then the New King James puts it this way, be sober. Now, when we think of that word sober, we think strictly of being not under the influence of alcohol, which, which certainly, if you're drunk, you're not going to be able to be sober in the way the text is speaking. But the word itself does not strictly speak of alcohol. What it's talking about is to be at a place where you have mental clarity, to be at a, a place where, where you're, you're truly, as, as the other translation put it, self-controlled, that you're, you're focused, that you're aware, that you're not fuzzy, that you're not hindered by your thought processes. So if we're going to follow Jesus like he wants us to, we need to win the war with mental health. Now, this is a nuanced conversation then. This component of following our calling and living out our faith is one that oftentimes we sort of seem to think either is something that should be ignored altogether in the church or is to be completely spiritualized. As though to follow Jesus uh, means that if you're truly faithful, if you're truly honoring him, you're never going to deal with any of the issues uh, that mental health brings up, anxiety and depression and, and other disorders, which is completely and totally unfair because we give space for every other difficulty or disability. We would give you space. I took asthma medication this morning, and none of you would go, are you a real Christian? Why would you take your asthma medication if you're a real Christian? But someone who has to pop a pill to deal with a chemical disorder or, or, or disbalance that they're, they're dealing with or imbalance that they're dealing with is somehow treated as less than. Someone who is struggling with a mental disorder or a mental difficulty is in no way betraying their faith. And let's just say that once and for all. If you need health mentally, if you need something, get the help that you need. Pastor Levi Lusco addressing mental health issues today. And joining me is Pastor A.R. Bernard. Thank you so much for being here today. Good to be with you. All right. So I want to dive into this because this, there's this common misconception in the church that, you know, uh, mental health issues sometimes can equal lack of faith. Like somebody, I've been told that my anxiety means I'm just not praying enough because I have anxiety. You know, so what would you say to, well, firstly, where do you think this misconception comes from? And secondly, how would you address that? Somebody with the mental health issues but still has faith in Jesus. I think that idea of not having enough faith comes from a doctrine that has intermittently influence Christianity over the last 2,000 years, but especially over the last 40 years, uh, which is a movement that really is to inspire faith as the way to overcome all obstacles, but it can remove us from reality. And reality is that we are in this sinful condition, broken, wounded human beings. So if I can pull from some of my theology here, Please. we're, we're, we're we're, we're saved from the penalty of sin, all right, and its influence. We're being saved from the effects of sin, which we wrestle through with genetic influences, cultural, contextual influences, uh, and we eventually will be saved from this state or condition. But right now, we're in a process of dealing with a condition. I, I think what he says about the mind is critical because the quality of your thinking determines the quality of your life. What's shaping, what's influencing 
those thoughts. Um, do you have a framework that you're working from, a worldview? Uh, so when we think about, you know, faith, faith has its proper place, but faith and works, James said, go together. So if you are dealing with something that is giving you anxiety and it's stemming from your mental health, you have a responsibility to do something about it. And what I love about the millennial generation, you guys have removed the stigma. I mean, at one time, you know, if you had a therapist, you wouldn't tell anybody. But now it is common conversation. So you've opened a very important door and removed a stigma. I was just dealing with um, the closing of Rikers Island here in New York City, which is a prison system that has serious problems. 86% of the individuals there are persons of color, black and Latino, but I think the most profound figure is 44% of them have been diagnosed with mental health problems. So it is something that's within our society that needs to be addressed beyond just this idea of having faith and it disappears. We have to be careful with these cliches that rob us of action, and we need to take action. We need to do something. So faith and work go together. All right, you heard it here from Pastor A.R. Bernard. Faith and work go together. And millennials, we're doing something right. We've removed the stigma of mental health. And uh, with that being said, we're going to be right back with more Ambo TV. Welcome back to Ambo TV, bringing you next generation pastors from across the country. Before the break, we were checking out Pastor Levi Lusco, but right now I want to get to Pastor Stephen Francis in Poughkeepsie, New York. Let's check him out. I have very close friends. I will do anything for the people that I love. And if I hear that they are in a situation, there's been a terrible accident, they're dealing with a horrible sickness, I will drop everything that I'm doing and I will move to them as urgently as possible. Emergencies in our life bring forth urgency in our behavior. That's just the way many of us work. If we know that there is something going on and even to another level, if we know that we're the only person that can do something about it, we will move with urgency. So it doesn't make sense to me at all. How is it that Jesus, who loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, would stay where he is despite how much he loved him? And this is the thing about God that many times I'm conflicted with and I don't understand. Do you know how many times I've grown up, uh, I've grown up in church, like I said before, and I would hear somebody say this to me when I was complaining about how I needed God to do something and things aren't working out. They'd be like, hey, Stephen, uh, just take heart, man. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord. You just got to be patient. And I'd be like, listen, that sounds cute, but bump all that. I need God to show up today. I need God to do something in my situation right now. A thousand years sounds very poetic, but if he don't show up today, my lights are going off. I'm not going to have any food to eat. My marriage may not make it. I need God to do something right now. And the frustration we can feel when he doesn't appear in the time 
that we want him to. And like I said, I struggled with this, but then I started to see something in the next passage that I never noticed before as I was getting ready for this message. Luke chapter, excuse me, John chapter 11, verse 6. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. Now, this is one of the things I loved about Jesus. Scripture says that God's ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So again, Jesus all poetically says, listen, let us go back to Judea because Lazarus has fallen asleep and I need to wake him up. But his disciples are like not on that level. So they're like, oh, Jesus, if he's if he's asleep, then he'll get better, right? We don't got to go back to Judea. He's, if he's resting, he will recover. It's all good. Don't worry about it. And then Jesus has to like break out of poetic mode and straight up be like, Lazarus is dead, all right? Lazarus is dead. Let's go. But he not only says Lazarus is dead in verse 14, it says, so then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. But verse 15 is where we see something interesting. Jesus continues and says, and for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. What reveals the heart of God is verse 15 that says, for your sake, I I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. If you're still following along in your valley notes, I want you to write this down, that God's purpose is always bigger than your plan. All right, Pastor Stephen Francis coming from the story of Lazarus and uh, talking about how God or Jesus, you know, lingers sometimes in, in our lives and, and doesn't act immediately or when we feel that he should. I mean, why should he in the first place? But, you know, we tend to complain when things aren't happening immediately and he, to the extent where he let Lazarus pass. So, you know, what, what can we do as you know, mere humans to kind of, you know, deal with that waiting process? Yeah, it's amazing. One thing that Christianity taught me is that, I'm, that I am a part of something much greater than myself. And Christians should believe that. But we can't believe that we're a part of something much greater than ourselves and get upset when everything doesn't revolve around us. Mm. And we're, we're not the focal point, that there are other factors involved, that there are other things and objectives that are trying to be accomplished in the midst of responding to our own personal need. Then we forget that we're a part of something much bigger than ourselves. So it's, it's almost kind of that innate human thing being selfish we're, we're yeah. kind of like <laughs> spiritual toddlers almost right we're always thinking we kind of deserve things now or we want it now in our time yeah i mean i, I and i get it you know it, it, look i run a large organization mm -hmm. a lot of employees different departments and each department tends to think in a vacuum they know what their need is, their budget is, and I have to look at the big picture yes. and say, okay, yeah, but the overall budget is this, and you, have a, you play a small role in how all of this fits together. Of we tend to live life thinking in a vacuum. All right. You heard from Pastor A.R. Bernard, don't think in a vacuum. 
It's bigger than that. This is, this is Christianity. We're, we're part of a bigger picture. Right now, I want to go ahead and jump to Pastor Jordan Poole in Warner Robins, Georgia. Let's go ahead and check them out. Martha and Mary sent word to Jesus and said, Hey, the one you love is sick. And so they knew, they expected him to come do something so much, they didn't even request him to come. They just sent word and said, hey, your boy Lazarus is sick. And they left it at that. Why? Because they expected him the moment they prayed it, the moment they started fasting, the moment they started going back to church, the, the moment they started serving, that something would immediately begin to change. But I want to tell somebody and encourage you, just because it don't happen immediately doesn't mean it is not happening already. Because how do I know that? Because the next thing Jesus said, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but Lazarus dies. <laughs> this sickness is not unto death, but Lazarus is in a tomb when Jesus finally shows up. So that tells me God does not speak in terms about situations that you, the way you and I do. He sees the end from the beginning. The Bible talks about this, about we were predestined beforehand. That just messes with me. That means he, 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 he the Bible also talks about how the, 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 the lamb was slain before the foundations of the world. Oh, that's so good. So that tells me, Jay, that God had already prepared the solution before the problem of sin ever showed up. Jesus is the lamb. The lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. That means he already had it worked out before he put people on the earth to mess it up. <laughs> that just messes with me, man. That God is that good. He's that big. He's, that he, would, he would create everything you needed in your life already before you even stepped into it. And the Bible says that when Jesus heard that, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he said, when he heard, he said, when he heard, he said, this sickness will not be unto death. But in fact, the Son of God will be glorified through it, through it, through it. This sickness will not be under death. So here's, here's what I learned from that. Here's what I learned, and maybe you can learn something from it too. It says that when he heard that, he said, so Jesus, watch this, it taught me that I can receive bad news but still keep a good spirit. Yeah, that helped somebody right there. I know it did. That when I, just because I, I'm, a, I'm on the receiving end of bad news don't mean I have to conform like I just received bad news. Now, bad news is tough. It's, it's a challenge. I'm not going to lie to you. It is a fight. It is a battle to make sure that just because you receive bad news that you can't keep a good spirit, you got to fight to keep your spirit good. You have, you, have to, you have to disallow voices and things that would cause that bad news to start to grow into an identity and into, into a mindset. See, we've allowed sometimes, we've allowed the things of this world and the voices that don't believe in the living Word of God, that don't believe in how powerful God is to cause a stronghold to be built around bad news we heard that was just for a moment. So I don't, let that, I don't have to allow bad news cause my spirit to be bad. I can still keep a good spirit even in the midst 
of bad news. How do I do that? Well, I follow Jesus' example. When he heard, he said. All right, Pastor Jordan Poole also coming with the story of Lazarus. And, and he's pointing out here how God said that you know, Lazarus wouldn't die, but then he did. So it, it's kind of a, this contradictory thing. You know, why do you think that sometimes, you know, God uses time to kind of test us and, and, and to see, is it, is it to see how we'll react or is it to help us to grow or it's a, a confusing thing? I think, I think we have to remember that God wastes nothing. He mm -hmm. uses every element, every uh, bit of information, towards one objective, and that is to conform us to the, the image of Christ, to cause us to grow. I, I think it's interesting how he spent time on bad news. Bad news has to be put in perspective. Um, so the young man, he's um, 19 years old. He's helping his father uh, to fix the roots. He climbs up the ladder, and somehow something happens. He falls. He breaks his arm. Bad news. Uh, two weeks later, because he lives in a country where they still have a draft for the military. He gets a draft notice. He reports they can't take him because he's got a broken arm. Bad news, good news? <laughs> how do we, I see what you how did do we read it? Yeah, no, I, hey, story of Dean Windsor, uh, kind of like that. Turned down for one show, picked up by Ambo TV. You see how that works? <laughs> Bad news to good news. And would that be upset? You know, we don't, we, we have, we're linear in our perspective and thinking. So A follows B follows C, but God looks at the whole thing yeah. at a glance and uh, responds within that look at a glance. All right. And with that being said, we'll be right back with more Ambo TV. Hello, I'm Pastor A.R. Bernard and you're watching Ambo TV. Welcome back to Ambo TV, bringing a fresh new style to the Word of God. Before the break, we were listening to Pastor Jordan Poole, but right now I want to get back to Pastor Levi Lusco in Kalispell, Montana. Let's check him out. Reverently ambitious. I like the tension there. Reverent, what does that mean? Full of awe, full of wonder. When you watch a sunrise, when you stand lingering in front of the Christmas tree, that last moment before you go to bed, you know, you just kind of that reverence you feel that magic you feel, watching snow fall in front of the moon, you feel a sense of awe. That's reverence, right? Holiness. Ah, like take your sandals off. You're on holy ground. Like that, that's reverence, okay? But ambitious reverence. Those two feel like they're competing with each other. No, no, I'm telling you, the more reverence you feel for God, the more ambitious you'll become in what you do for God. Good ambition. Verse 17, he says, since you call on a father who judges each man. Wait, hold on a second. Is he a father or a judge? The answer is yes. You call on a father who's going to judge your work. Oh, hold on a second. Oh, snap. Father or a judge? Yes. But that's the tension. That's the beauty. You're going to give an account for what you do in your life as a Christian at the award ceremony in heaven. But he's your father, but he wants to award you. That informs everything because my kids, they, they do so different when they know there's a ranking. They do so different when they know there's a scoring. Are we keeping track of this? Yeah. Okay, now I'll, I'll try. You were going to try to, you wanted to find out if you were going to beat your sister or not, right? 
Are you keeping track? Dad, look what I did. Look, Dad, look what I drew. Dad, look what I did, right? Dad, they want to please me. They want to show me. So they're not afraid I'm going to not let them sleep in our house if they didn't do good. So we shouldn't be afraid God's mad at us. We should be excited to show him what we did with our lives that he, buy, that he bought with his blood, that he's been planning about since before the foundation of the world. You should be filled with reverence when you know Jesus hung on the cross to save you, that from before the world was made, he was dreaming about how he wanted to use you, and that one day you're going to stand before him and get to tell him what you did with this life that he gave to you. That reverence should fill you with ambition. God, I want to run this race. I want to fight this fight. I want, to, I want to reach some people. And where does that leave us? It leaves us wanting to love while we can. Love while you can. Because all these people, you're called to love. And I wish I had time to talk to you about how your love is supposed to grow from selfish love to selfless love. That in the text, he says, you already love people, but now I want you to love people. And you're like, that doesn't make sense until you understand the first word's phileo, which means love that is easy and happens on its own. Bro love. Yeah, man, we're just best friends. Easy love. And he says, now that you already love like that, now phileo, the agape love. Phileo to the agape. Agape love is sacrificial love. Agape love is love that lays down its life for the person it loves. Love is love that doesn't get anything out of it, but gives everything to it. He says, you already love. Now I want you to love. You already love, and I want you to love in a way that it costs you something. I want you to love the unlovable. I want you to love those that you don't have an easy time loving. I want you to love people who don't do anything for you, don't do anything to, to better you, don't do anything to help your standing. I want you to love, you know, I want you to grow in love. I want you to, I want you to am, be ambitious with reverence for how I loved you. Because you didn't do anything for me. You didn't help my standing. You didn't give me any ch chart-topping success, but I loved you. So you love people easily who do something for you and are easy to be around. Now I want you to work hard with ambition at loving the unlovable in your life. I want you to grow in love with a sense of ambition. I want to grow in love because I've been so well-loved. And I want you to do it while you can. He's bringing up a, a point that I struggle with, I think, the most with being a Christian. And, and that's, you know, God's order to love the way I love. And, and to order those, or not to order, to, to love those that it's the hardest to love. You know, it, it reminds me just the other night, I went to 7-Eleven, it must have been, you know, two o'clock in the morning, I had to run out, one of my kids is sick, I had to get medicine. And there's two um, people who are, you know, kind of down on their luck. I don't make assumptions about people, but they were asking for money. And to me, I just, I kind of blew them off and I felt terrible about it afterwards. But, and, and, and I felt like I'm a bad Christian for that. You know, that this was a bad choice that I made. So how, what advice would you give to someone like me that struggles with that part of Christianity, which is, you know, loving everyone, no matter what, especially those that it's hard to love? I would ask why you blew them off. What was it about the scenario that did not evoke a loving response from you? I think it was a sense of fear, number one. Fear of what? Um, to me, and in the neighborhood that I'm in, particularly, we have a, an exploding um, drug uh, use problem, and, and drug addicts are constantly out there. So you don't know if you're getting approached by someone who genuinely needs help or is just going to turn around and take the money and spend it on something that might kill them. Mm -hmm. So that, I think, is kind of the reason why I, you know, I, I judged books by their covers instead of just loving them and saying, and looking through my change, even though I didn't have cash. I could have looked through my little change thing in my console and, and given them what I had.
So you were afraid. Yeah. All right. But at the same time, your conscience is telling you you had an obligation to respond to a need. So yeah. you were in conflict with your own moral values. Right? So exactly. And and how do I combat that? Like how how does somebody? Because I can't be the only one. All right. Yeah. So you take a situation like that. Okay. All right. And say okay. Uh, let me rethink how I'm judging this, all right? Does it matter or should it matter to me what this person does with the grace that I extend to them? Mm -hmm. Because God extends his grace to everyone, okay. all right? And he leaves it to their decision, how they're going to respond to that grace, what they're going to do with that grace. So if you are an ambassador of Christ, if you are one of the vehicles through which God is dispensing grace, then that's where your responsibility ends. So to give that person a dollar or whatever, uh, that's it. What they do with it is on them. And God will hold them responsible for what they do with it, but God holds you responsible with, for how you respond to a person that you see in need. Why you? Why not someone else? The fear is legitimate, but you control that with your window going up and down, how much time you spend giving it to them. You know, so there are things that you can do to adjust, but I think mostly what we're, we're looking at is what's driving your decision-making process in the face of a scenario like that. And you don't want to be in conflict with your own conscience. No, not at all. Thank you so much for that explanation too, because this really is something that I've always struggled with, and I'm sure there's people at home that struggle with that as well. So don't worry what someone does with the gift that you've given them. It's not on you, it's on them, but it is up to us to be good shepherds of Christ's word and of his teachings. And with that being said, I wanna go ahead and get right back to Pastor Stephen Francis in Poughkeepsie, New York. Let's check him out. The second thing we need to do is know it's okay to wrestle and embrace God. The Psalms does this so often where King David and other psalmists wrote about how they expected God to do something for them. They were hoping God would reveal himself in this way and he didn't. So they wrestled with God saying, God, I know that you're good. Yes, I believe that you are higher than any other God, any other thing. Yet at the same time, God, I'm mad at you. I can't believe you did this to me. I can't believe you allowed this to happen. Why didn't you show up? And this to me is conflict like any other relationship. Relationships can't grow if there's not conflict, if there's not adversity. And many times I think many of us feel like we can't have conflict with God, but scripture says that that's completely fine. God will love us. God will come towards us even in the midst of that. And we need to be willing to both wrestle with God with certain things, but also embrace him, trusting in who he is. Not only does the book of Psalms do this, but also the book of Habakkuk. Many of you guys have never read the book of Habakkuk. Some of you have probably just thought that I cussed under my breath. But the point of Habakkuk is that same thing. In the book of Habakkuk, the, the author wrestles with God on certain things, but then also embraces God, trusting in his character. But last but not least, I believe that we need to start to bring meaning to our situation and not just search for it. You see, so many times I see something happen in my life or happen in the life of somebody else, and we just end up lost in this train of thought, asking for God to 
give us answers to reveal to us why this happened and was it my fault and could it have been prevented? And these are honestly parts of the grieving process that we deal with. But also, there needs to come a point where we say, listen, I may not fully understand why this happened the way it happened, but I know that God's story is not done with me, that his mercies are new every morning, that if he woke me up this morning, then my story is not over. And if that's the case, how can I bring meaning into this day? How can I let what happened in that past not define me, but be the launching pad for where I go to another level, trusting in him and making an impact? All right, so Pastor Stephen Francis is, is talking about God is, you know, present with us in our pain. And I think most of the time, some of us don't always feel that way. We, we don't feel, and, and a lot of people tend to question when I think about the book of Job immediately. And, you know, so that, that's kind of where I go, so I don't question anything. <laughs> but what would you say to somebody that feels like they don't feel God's presence in their pain? You know, I would reflect on your faith in Scripture. One of the things that Jesus said to his disciples upon sending them out into the world, a world that they're going to face any and everything, the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? He said, and lo, I'm with you always. Interesting use of the Greek phrase there, with you, because it means that not only am I there in presence, but I'm also there in participation. So I'm not just present watching what's happening. I am also participating in what's happening, leading it towards an end that would be in your best interest. Because that's what love is. Love is about being there for someone and participating in everything that they go through, leading them towards the best result. All right. So if you understand that, then you understand that he is taking all of his power, all of his wisdom, all of his benevolence, and working on your behalf, even though you don't see it. All right, that's right. God is always the hidden hand working on our better half or, or on our behalf, rather. Uh, we're going to go ahead and take another quick break, but we'll be right back with more Ambo TV. Welcome back to Ambo TV, home of dynamic pastors. And joining me in studio today is Grammy-nominated gospel artist Travis Green. Travis, thank you so much for being here, man. I really appreciate it. What's up, family? I'm glad to be here, man. Yes. This so, is great. So, um, new album. I, I know you're busy right now, so I just want to dive right into the new yeah, album. Yeah, let's go. Um, Broken Record. Yep. Can you talk a little bit about like what inspired you to, to name it yeah. Broken Record? Yeah, yeah. Um, so multiple reasons, I'll give you the elevator pitch reason. Okay. Um, I, I, you know, I've kind of unveiled this concept lately of how God is not um, intimidated by our state of brokenness, but rather drawn to it. Mm. Um, that not only is he drawn to it, but um, a lot of times he's the one behind it. You know, we know him as a God who puts things together, but he's also a God who's into breaking things. A couple of times in, in scripture we read about him breaking the small lunch that's brought to him. From the little boy, he blessed and, break, and breaks it. And then communion, he sits with his boys reclined at the table. He blesses and breaks the bread, um, which signifies something to me, that whatever God breaks, he's already blessed it. And when God breaks us, he's not breaking the real us. He's breaking the shell of us. The most powerful force on earth is the seed. Life as we know it is literally sustained 
uh, by the seed, but all of the seed's potential is locked into its shell, and it's not until the breaking of that to its potential comes forth. And it's the same with us. So many times the shell of who we are, our experiences, um, our representative, uh, God is into breaking that so that he can give way to the core of us. And, and that's what this album is about. I love that explanation, man. That's yeah. amazing. So now there are a few songs already available yeah. on iTunes. Yeah. Um, I got to tell you right now, my jam, even though it didn't have a star next to it, I'm like, why is this song not? Uh -huh. Great Jehovah. Yeah, yeah. I'm loving that song yeah. right now. Yeah, that yeah. song is really amazing. Can you kind of walk me through like the creative process behind that? Like what were you thinking when, when, yeah. you, when you came up with that one? Yeah, so the song actually, I did something um, on my last record, Crossover, and I kind of did like the snippet at the end of one of the songs, kind of like what y'all used to do back in the day with like Master P and all of that, where okay. you just throw out like, right. here's a, like a little snippet like a at teaser. the end. Yeah. yeah, like a teaser. And so I did that with Great Jehovah, just the chorus, and then... Um, the crowd just loved it, and so I was like, yo, let's write more to the song. So we did that, and I uh, recorded it, and that was kind of the idea behind it, and, and it's a crowd favorite, for sure. Yeah. All right, so now I also learned that you uh, you pastor at your own church yeah. in South Carolina. Yeah. So now how, how how hard is it to maintain that balance between, like, gospel okay. superstar? <laughs> like, I don't, I don't even want to run down the list of your stellars, right? Because yeah. there's too many to count <laughs> at this point. So gospel superstar and pastoring, co-pastoring with your wife. Yeah, like, yeah. That, That's got to be a hard balance. Yeah, I mean, that. I mean, you just said it. That's the cheat code. My wife holds it down. Oh, all right. Yeah, all she, right. Makes it easy. she does the hospital visits. She's yeah. praying and counseling and I just show up kind of to preach. Um, but more of a balance is the rhythm. You know, for me, it's just kind of catching the flow of w and being 100 wherever I'm at. Right. And I try to give my, my entire self. So whether I'm at home with the kids or with the wifey or on the road or at the church, wherever I'm at, I just try to show up and be my that. best, yeah. So you a man, we come from the same cloth. Right? Uh, I do the same thing, I yeah. give it to my wife. She's like, yeah. you know, my wife takes care of everything. Uh, She's got this. For sure. All right, so now, Going back to the album, what 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 do you hope that you know the listeners and, and the people at home are gonna take away? Yeah. The most, like, what's the biggest message you hope they take away from this album? Yeah, I, I want them to know, man, that God's okay. You know, like He's okay with us. Like He, we don't have to perform for Him. We don't have to uh, put on for Him. He's okay with the real us, and um, He He takes full responsibility for helping to get us where he wants us to be. The Bible has the story in Jeremiah where it talks about him as the potter. And I just think that's beautiful to see God as um, the potter or the orchestrator, the one who is in the forming business. He's a better fixer than Olivia Pope or anybody else. Like he, he gets things yeah. in order, that's just what he does. And so um, that's what I want them to get from this record, just a, a, a sense of relaxing and knowing that God got it. I love it, man, that's beautiful. So now are we, are we planning any tours now, or, yeah. or are we gonna let the music just kind of marinate for a minute and then? Yeah, both, both. I always end the year with, um, I do a big tour in Africa, so I kind of okay. go around and, and do a, a several countries in that continent. So I'm gonna do that, but I'm gonna I'm chill a little bit at the beginning of next year, and then I'm planning to go out real hard in the fall. So I'm gonna let the album sit a little bit, okay. and then when we hit it, we're gonna hit it. And that, I'm, right. I'm thinking next fall. All right. So now I know, like I said at the top, that you're you know, kind of pressed for time right now because you, you're a busy man. Um, so I just wanted to ask, is, is there a pastor in your life that, that really, or a church that like yeah. have really inspired you yeah. to, to kind of reach this level of success? Oh, man. Know? I mean, there's, that, that list is long. It's a long list. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but my, uh, my personal pastor and mentor is Pastor William McDowell. Um, okay. He's out of Orlando, Orlando Florida. Uh, church called Deeper Fellowship, and he, I mean, he is 
you know, he's kind of the voice that, that really helps give me direction, correction, instruction. Um, I really admire and look up to him. So um, he's one of, uh, he's one of my, my favorites. And then you got John Gray, who's another mentor of mine. Okay. Um, Jamon Glenn. I mean, there's so many guys who are just available for me and pour into me. And so I'm really grateful for that. Yeah, we can't put enough emphasis on how important mentorship sure. is and, and looking to pastors and community leaders, anybody to, you know, don't be afraid people to get a mentor, like look to somebody that has already kind of made their walk. And, and for sure. yeah, for, that's so important. So now where can the peeps at home get the album? Is it streaming? Is it in yeah. physical copies in stores? Like yeah. where can we get this? All of the above. Was date drop. Well, it's already drop date. available for pre-order right okay. now. So all over the web where music is sold, you can pre-order it in advance and then you'll have it there the moment it comes out. But the full album comes out November 1st. November and we're 1st. so excited about that. And it's gonna, uh, man, this, this is a good one, man. It's so energetic, it's so passionate. Um, it, it has a the, theatrical edge to it. Yeah. Um, so we put a lot of strings and, uh, and stuff like that in it. But it's fun, man, I can't wait, November 1st. and. Uh, like I said, it's already available pre-order. We're releasing new content all the time, releasing new videos, okay. um, visuals on my YouTube page at Travis Green TV. So make sure you subscribe there. And we got a new song coming out even this week. So really, yeah, yeah, the Breaker will be released this week. And um, really leading up to the album, new music, new content, just building a momentum. All right, so you heard it here, folks. Travis Green, Broken Record, dropping November 1st. Pre-order your copy today. If you can't pre-order today, don't worry about it. November 1st, go ahead, run out, get your copy. It's going to be lit. I'm mm -hmm. telling you, I'm already feeling. You got to check out if you have iTunes or Pandora. Is, are we also on Spotify? Everywhere. If you're also on Spotify, you got to check out Great Jehovah. That is my pick mm -hmm. as of right now for the songs that have been released. Go check that out. Travis, thank you so much for coming yeah. and stopping by and spending oh, some time. Oh, love, man. It's beautiful here, man. man. Thank you so much. Come spot. back. I got to come back. Yes. Ambo is rocking. This is great. Yes. Next time you're in New York, spend some more time with for us. For sure. We'd appreciate that. For sure. All right, brother. Thank you. All right. Well, let's get back to Pastor Jordan Poole in Warner Robins, Georgia, and let him wrap up his sermon. A miracle that you and I are still experiencing today because the moment Lazarus came out is the moment the Pharisees started to plot against him about how they were going to kill him and when they were going to kill him. In fact, they wanted to kill Lazarus too. Woo! They wanted to kill Lazarus because on the account of Lazarus, the Bible says, many people were coming to Jesus. Can I tell you that God might let you go through a severe trial because he knows the tremendous success on the other side of it that's going to draw a greater glory. He might let you experience a level of pain you hadn't experienced before because he sees a greater miracle on the other side. He sees your life as a platform to show his glory. And so when we say, here I am, Lord, use me, be ready. He's not going to abuse you. He'll use you in a way. And it might be painful. It might be some days you cry a little bit. It might be some days you got to lean on someone else's shoulder. But can I tell you, if you'll stand the test of time, and if you'll have your faith allow you to endure the test of time, then you will be like a Lazarus. And people will look to you, James. People will look to you, Marcus. People will look to you and say, how, how did he do it for them? I have to know this grace. I have to experience this mercy. I have to know this Jesus. If he did that for them, and they look like they're about to quit, they look like they're about to give up, but they stood the test of time, then what can they do for my life? On the account of Lazarus, many came to know Jesus. 
Hey, what's up, family? This is Travis Green, and you're watching Ambo TV. You have a journey to take, a race to run, a warfare to accomplish, and a great work to do. And I speak that over you, and I believe that to be the calling that God has for you. Hope is hard, and health takes effort. But this is our moment. So let's get to work. Let's get to work, Pastor Levi. Let's go rounding off the show. And as we do at the end of every show, I like to ask our guests to give us a Bible scripture that kind of goes along with the message that Pastor Lusco just delivered to us. So do you have a Bible passage? Sure. I think a beautiful passage is Luke 2.52, where it says, And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and gain favor with God and man. And I think that sums up our lives. We grow, we develop, we live life on levels, arrive in stages, but we have responsibility to develop our minds, our spirits, and our physical body, and develop relationships that will last for a lifetime. I love it, that's beautiful. Pastor Bernard, thank you so much for joining us today. It was a pleasure, it was an honor. I hope you come back soon. I hope I'll be invited back. Yeah. All right, awesome. Well, thank you to our partnering churches, Fresh Life Church with Pastor Levi Lusco, Valley Christian Church with Pastor Stephen Francis, and Hope Church with Pastor Jordan Poole. Thank you for those dynamic messages. Thank you to Travis Green. Y'all be sure to pick up his new album, Broken Record, on November 1st to see the complete sermons and other great sermons. Head over to ambotv.com. We always have great content there for you guys. And you can sign up for our daily newsletter. You can also listen to us on Apple Podcasts, so subscribe to Day. Thank you for watching. Good night, and I'll see you guys next week.